you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Tyler Bingham, and on this episode of the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast, we speak with filmmaker Gretel Claggett. Storm Chaser is her project that has, as of now, played at over 50 film festivals around the world. It's taken home some pretty cool awards, including the AMC Network's inaugural Best Female Creator Award at Starable Fest 2020. Very cool um, guest, lots of projects that she's working on. Storm Chaser really stood out to me. And I, I just want to jump right into the, the conversation with her uh, so you get a better idea of what it is. Um, it's an episodic film. Hopefully we'll see this in an anthology series um, at some point. I really hope so because I just found the characters fascinating. And the subject matter, um, storm chasing, very incredible cinematography, just all around an awesome piece of art. So without further ado, let's speak with Gretel Claggett. <laughs> So yeah, I got a chance to watch the the, the episode of Storm Chaser, and uh, so from my understanding, it's it's a well. First of all, it's playing all over on the festival circuit and winning all kinds of awards, which is really cool. Uh, but it's a it's a a TV pilot for an anthology that is hopefully to come soon. Um, and then what was so I, I love satire films, so this was like. This was really, I've never really seen anything quite like it before. So I'm curious about um, kind of how the idea came to you and, um, you know, just the approach of, of making it a, a satire, kind of a female forward satire. So just very interested well, in the project itself. Well, thank you, Kyler. Yeah. And, and I'm so happy to hear that you love satire because I feel that it's sadly an art form that has kind of gone by the wayside, really, mm. you know, um, you don't see as many, I, I, maybe, maybe I'm not aware of ones that are out there, but I personally would love to see more, um, you know, socio-political satires. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I guess my love, I mean, to, to kind of answer your question in terms of even like genre um, I, I started as an actress. Um, I started performing when I was like seven years old. And one of the things that I loved doing as an actress was really playing black comedy, you know, dark comedy, mm -hmm. um, satire, um, because I just find that it's such a juicy uh, genre in terms of being able, and of course the Coen brothers do it, you know, really, really well. Yeah. Um, but when you can get an audience to kind of come into a world that's similar to theirs, but yet different with these characters that maybe remind them of people they know, but yet they're kind of larger than life in ways. And, and yet it's authentic and you're laughing one second and then maybe horrified that you laughed or, or crying maybe the next or in shock. So I love, I think that's what I love about the genre. And um, really, you know, the, the idea, like so many ideas, they start with a little seed and then you just keep watering it. And it kind of, hopefully at a point, the characters and the story kind of take you as the writer, as a creator on, on a ride. Mm -hmm. um, so I grew up in Tornado Alley, 
um, in Missouri. So, of course, tornadoes were always a part of my consciousness. Um, But the real seed of the story was when a friend of mine told me that she was dating a door-to-door door salesman. And I had, I was like, what? <laughs> and she told me this, this, she said, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he lost his job. Um, Cause I think the guy had like a big high powered corporate job, you know, and, and he lost his job. And, and the only job he could get was selling storm doors door to door. So I didn't even know that still existed that, you know, and, and so I did research as a, uh, as all, you know, as all writers, I think, do, you know, it's like, ooh, that's interesting. Is that really true? And I did research and I found out that these operations do happen. And then I think the key for me was when I when when I found out that the shady operations, these disaster capitalistic out, outlets, um, not all of them, of course, are scammers, but there are a lot of scammers out there. And of course, you know, in America with Hurricane Katrina and other disasters we've had, you know, they come out of the woodwork and it's very predatory capitalism. But I found out that they were called storm chasers, similar to like lawyers being called ambulance chasers. Right. And so that's really when I was like, whoa, wait a minute. And I started playing with this idea of, and originally it was a man, originally Don Stuckey, who is the sidekick, you know, in the film now, was the protagonist. He was the storm chaser. He was the guy who was stuck in a joyless job with a passion for chasing storms, but is doing this other kind of storm chaser. And then at a certain point, sorry, I I live across the street from a fire station. Oh, no, no, let's... um... (laughs) In Brooklyn, so yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no worries. <laughs> it's no, all, I, it's all real. Well, anyway, so, so playing <laughs> with that, playing with that, and and yeah, it's it, it's it's kind of crazy sometimes. Um, but playing with that juxtaposition of a passion for storm chasing, but then this other, you know, and and really playing with the idea of um, how many of us are kind of forced to do these jobs that really suck our energy and that we have a passion, but we don't have, we don't feel we have the time or energy to feed it. And um, so that was really the genesis. And then at a certain point I gender flipped and, and made the protagonist Bonnie blue. Well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more from it because I definitely, definitely, yeah, the Coen brothers kind of came to my mind at, um, even like elements, some some David Lynch stuff. Even, I, I, oh, I, interesting. I, I mean, oh, never heard that. I like just kind of kind of the visuals of it. I don't know. I just thought it was like the the visuals were incredible, and it just had this, um, you know, the, the feel of it is what I, I think I like the most. And I think what yeah, we both we both like satire. So I think there are those uncomfortable moments that if if someone isn't like understanding of what this is, there it can be. Um, engaging but uncomfortable and i love those (laughs) i love those little pieces that come through and it's just done beautifully oh well thank you yeah i um i do feel that um you know it's interesting the david lynch thing i i hadn't thought about that i guess i kind of considered it more like a magic realism but i Mm -hmm. guess he does I mean, he, well, Lynch takes us into these worlds and into, and I guess that's what I was really trying to do with the metaphor of the storm. To your point, it's like you're going kind of 
into an internal psychological landscape that's being externalized, which I think Lynch does brilliantly. Like you're like, what, wait, is this real? Or is Mm -hmm. this, you know, it's got that surreal quality. Um, And I'm a big fan of, of his work. Um, I, but I also, um, you know, I really do believe that art um, and of course not all movies are art and that's fine, but um, but I, I I did want to make something that would be, uh, you know, a movie that can entertain you and that you can go for the ride. And there might be people who watch it who just kind of go on one level, but I wanted to see those other levels that I think that, you know, stories should make us feel uncomfortable at times. Mm. Oh, definitely, um, yeah. You know, they should kind of challenge our view of the world and challenge um, how we, you know, hopefully at least there's one character that everyone would relate to, you know, even if it's not Bonnie or Mm. Don, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe some people really relate with Flip. Uh, (laughs) I hope not, but maybe. I do. A part of me does. Like, you know, I have to, as, as a, you know, as a writer, as a creator, I have to fall in love with every character, sure, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and maybe even more so the tougher characters, the, you know, the bad guys or the bad girls, whatever we want to call mm-hmm. them, the, the antagonists, like, you know, because I firmly believe um, that we all have a little flip inside of us. Right. Yeah, definitely. You know? So, um, and, and, and I think sometimes people get uncomfortable if it feels that way. And so then it's kind of like, it's kind of like we do in the world, like with someone say like, you know, a Donald Trump mm-hmm. or another politician who is a very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, oh, you know, when someone um, divides people uh, mm-hmm. who's very polarizing, that's the word I'm looking for. Um you know, it's easy to just kind of say like, oh, I'm not like that person at all, or they're the bad, there's too much of that going on in the world. So um, I'm curious, I mean, did you, I was, I was tackling some of those themes. I mean, did that come through for you? Yeah, definitely. I think like, and and you're so, you're so dead on. Cause I mean, the flip character and for those who get to see it, he's, um, he, he is, you know, maybe not the most likable person right off the bat. He can be abrasive, but he he's extremely engaging and and like fascinating <laughs> to watch. The guy who played him was incredible. Oh, Stephen uh, Plunkett, yeah, Stephen Plunkett does an amazing job in the role. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a you know I was very blessed. I mean, all of the actors were yeah. um, just I I felt very blessed to get the cast. Uh, that we got and and to work with such a talented and committed cast. Right. No, I mean, yeah, they're, they're incredible. And I mean, just one point I wanted to just brought to mind, I have a, one of my good writer friends, he, he has a writing exercise where if, um, if he gets stuck and he, he just seems like he can't, he can't produce something, he can't write, whatever he, he, he thinks of a real person that he, like a polarizing figure that he, that he hates and he's like i'm gonna i need to write from that like i'm writing as that person so i could have maybe a level i don't have to like them but maybe to humanize them on some level when we we, we dehumanize people and you know at times it may seem justified but yeah it's uh, it's such an interesting concept because it does um challenge us and makes us grow when we see art like that so um 
Definitely. definitely That's a brilliant exercise. That's a brilliant exercise. I've actually done that as an exercise too. Oh, cool. Or or when I've taught writing, I've, I've, you know, said like, you have to find, you know, pick someone, you know, who just hate them, you know, and it's like (laughs) that person, like, you know, we all have people in our lives that at a certain point, you're, you know, they're like, they're wrong. They're evil. They're, you know, nothing they do is right. And then it's like, pick that person and you have to write and you can have that stuff in there, but you have to have a couple of moments of humanity and light because no one is all one thing. Right, right. It's like good guys or good yeah. the good gals in movies. You know, I don't want to see a protagonist who's like perfect because none yeah. of us are perfect. Um, and I really wanted that with Bonnie Blue, too. I wanted her to be uh, an anti-heroine in a way, you mm. know? Um, I, I think that the audience mostly roots from her, from what I've heard, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but, but she's not perfect. Mm-hmm. She's flawed. She makes mistakes. She maybe does something that <laughs> might be questionable. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <Right? laughs> Without spoilers, she definitely does some things that um, that's why, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. Cause I don't want to, I don't yeah, want to spoil yeah, it. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Oh, I forgot to ask you, how long do you want to go on this? I and mean, we can go oh, as long or as short as you'd like. It's whatever works for you, whatever okay. you, know, you feel good about. Yeah. I usually do about 40 minutes typically, so we can. That's perfect. Okay, great. Um, so, okay. I'm, I'm curious about your, you live in, you live in New York now and um, you're from, um, you're from the South. I'm curious how you ended up where you are now i was just going over your bio and oh my goodness so many so many different things and you're just so varied and you know you have your hands in everything so i'm just curious how um and you said you 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 were performing at a young age at seven so how did this um begin and how did it flourish and get to where you are today uh well yeah it has i love you have your hands in everything (laughs) um Somebody, who was it? Um, uh, someone recently said, um, oh, the director of Nomadland. I think she said uh, that a director is a, uh, is a, uh, uh, a, a jack of all trades, a master of none. That's how she defined <laughs> Chloe. Uh, yeah. That's how she defined um, uh, a director. So I guess, um, you know, I came to directing in a way that I had all of these different passions and interests, but yeah, I, you know, I grew up in a small town, Hannibal, Missouri, close to Mark Twain's boyhood home and the Mississippi river, you know, and really most of my life, I couldn't wait to get out because (laughs) I had these big dreams to act. And, and I did act in professional theater there. There was a summer stock theater. So that was, I, I started acting when I was seven in professional summer stock. And then my dad, who, um, actually I lost, uh, eight years ago this month. So I, it's so bizarre how time, you know, and, and of course, just kind of on Storm Chaser again, like how ideas come in and the genesis, but then the things built onto it. I didn't even realize um, until kind of after I had written it, how it was um, a kind of a tribute to my dad and my Mm. relationship with him, because Bonnie has such a special relationship with her father, which obviously in the series 
is more, you know, would be more developed than what you see in, uh, in that first, you know, 28 minutes. But um, my dad collected 16 millimeter films. So I grew up watching movies Mm -hmm. with him you know? And so movies and theater were always part of my consciousness and I couldn't wait to get to New York and here come the fire trucks again. (laughs) Um, Couldn't wait to get to New York. And um, so I, yeah, so I, I came here when I was a very, very young woman, sight unseen, had never even visited the city. Um, I had worked for a year at Actors Theatre of Louisville as um, an acting imprint- apprentice, which is an incredible regional theater that has, um, they're known for the Humana Festival where they preview new plays like Crimes of the Heart came out of there, Night Mother, you know, they've had some amazing plays go on to Broadway. And um, yeah, I came here and then, you know, uh, anytime I've thought about leaving New York, it's kind of been like the Godfather, you know, I start to go and <laughs> me back in. So, pulls you back in. Huh? Um, exactly, pulls me back in, thank you. Um, so, um, so, and, and I just kind of, you know, it's interesting because I came to filmmaking later um, in my career, um, but I think everything I've done informs it. But yeah, I've produced, um, you know, branded content. I'm a creative director in live and experiential branded content. Um, I studied poetry along the way. I have an MFA in poetry. I have a book of poetry. Um, you know, I started writing when I was very young, but then I also kind of had some experiences that really shut my voice down. So really writing allowed me, it was a, it was a very healing process for me. Um, and I still believe that making art is, you know, is transformational mm-hmm. when we make some, when we create and then when you share it with the world, then, you know, and, and that's the, at least that's the type of storytelling that I love and that I'm committed to. Um, so I have done, I have worn a lot of hats. Yeah. And, and continue to do so. And, um, uh, but I would say at this point, my, my, probably my biggest passion is narrative storytelling. Uh, I do love playing with new technologies too. Um and, uh, you know, um, I maybe I don't love producing as much, but but I think as an independent filmmaker, we're always having to produce, sure. even if you have producers who come on and help you, you're producing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so um, and and honestly, there are things about producing that I that I like, too. So um, I just know for any filmmaker out there, it's like. If you are producing and directing, make sure you have someone who can produce when you're directing, because there is a moment where you really do need to separate church and state. <laughs> I love that. Because, you know, because otherwise it's like it's really hard because you have to make certain decisions as a director that your producer hat maybe would make differently. Right. You know, what I mean? um, and the same thing with if you're writing and directing, too. Um, I just because I've been writing for so long and um, because even as a creative director, I write a lot of scripts and and um, and pitches and, you know, pitch decks and you name it, you know. Um, And uh, so I, I have kind of gotten pretty good at being able to separate my directing self from my writing self. 
because at a certain point you have to, because sometimes, you know, um, and I've made jokes on set, like who wrote this line, <laughs> you know? So, um, but I think that's important. Um, I, I think that most of us, and I'd be curious to hear what you're seeing in the industry, but I think mm-hmm. more and more we're having to wear a lot of hats. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, I cover, I do Sundance and slam dance um, just because I live in Utah. So I'm able to go up there physically with, you know, the exception of this year and yeah. you, yeah, you do, you talk to these filmmakers and, um, it is, it's like, you, you know, and I've lived here and I'm, I'm 40 years old. So I've gone up there, you know, the last 20, 20 years or so. And wow. so I've been able to see like the changes. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I haven't been covering it like this, but I've, I've gone up as a fan when I was younger and, you know, stuff has shifted and it, it's so true just with, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, like good things and like pros, like, um, it's much more attainable in the sense of like maybe not reaching success, but you can definitely make something and, and, you know, potentially get it into a festival and have people see it. So that's really cool, but right. you have to wear all those different hats. And, yeah. um, it's, uh, yeah, I never had really, that's really good advice for a young filmmaker to, you know, you're, you're going to, you're definitely going to have to do this, but, um, have someone as a support to, you know, when you're directing, you can put your all into that and they can kind of take care of the producing element. So that's, that's excellent advice for, for any filmmaker who's, who's, um, you know, on an independent level initially. Cause it's hard. I mean, it's hard. And, and the other thing too, and, you know, I had to do this with, um, storm chaser actually, um, at a certain point when I was, writing script and revising, I noticed because my producer hat was on, um, I don't mind my directing hat being on when I'm writing because I'm highly visual, um, uh, which is what drew me to film, you know, because I was writing these poems and people are like, you should be writing television and film. Mm -hmm. Like these are, you know, they're like little mini movies, you know, but the poem would be like, you know, my professors or my mentor would say, you're trying to do too much. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to do it in a poem. Um, but, uh, but I noticed that I had my, because when my director hat is on, when I'm writing, um, I, I, that doesn't bother me as much because I'm seeing things and I can, you know, I might not put it into the script like high angle shot, but I will write it so that as a reader, you'll see you know, like the field below or, you know, whatever you can write it in a way that without put, cause if you put shots into the script that early on, pe- it, people don't know how to read the script and mm-hmm. it's, it takes you out of the story. You want them to experience the script as if they're watching the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. But I noticed when I was writing storm chaser that my producer hat and money, you know, Oh God, I, I got to write this. <laughs> I can do this. Right was getting, was coming in. And that's also a detriment. So I try now when I'm working on something, especially in the time of COVID, it's really tough right now because like people just want things that are, you know, simple, uh, small cast, one location, you know, like, and I, I think we might be in that for a while. Um, right. even, even, even when it gets down to like, okay, it's, you know, like they, I think announced today that, you know, if you're fully vaxxed, you don't have to wear a mask in certain situations, mm-hmm. but just financially, because the industries have taken such a beating. Um, but if I start worrying about that, 
when I'm writing, then I'm really limiting myself. So I'd rather go big and then pull it back mm-hmm. or figure out a reverse engineer way to do something, um, you know, and honestly with Storm Chaser, I mean, we did some stuff very de, uh, you know, do it yourself really. Like, I mean, uh, people on ladders, you know, with the camera. I mean, you, I mean, there are shots that we did get a crane from, I was able, you know, to get a free crane for one day for the chase, Um, you know, for when she's going down the highway. Mm -hmm. Um, That was actually from the fire station, from the local fire station. (laughs) Um, So, um, but there's other stuff that you can do that you can get cool shots without having to have an expensive jib or, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can reverse engineer it when, I mean, of course, it's always nice if you can get great equipment. Yeah. It definitely had like the, it had a strong production value because I think sometimes you watch, um, you know, something independent and and you can get pulled out sometimes because you do, you do notice some technical things. Um, And, you know, that's fine at times, but I like, I honestly had no idea if this was like small budget or massive budget. Cause it didn't really, it had a feel that there, there was like the, I was, the filmmaker, Robert Rodriguez, when he started out, he, he talks about like, it's good not to have a lot of money to, when you make something because it, it kills, it can kill you <laughs> creativity. Cause you, you pump the money hose and the money hose, like um, makes it, makes everything easy. And then, and then ideas die and, you know, um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it just. Oh, no, it, it totally makes sense. Um, and, you know, I mean, uh, you know, in terms of budget, it, it I mean, it wasn't a super low budget, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a super high budget. And, you know, uh, I was very blessed in ways like with the storm sequences, with the VFX. I, you know, a lot of times at festivals, well, when there were live festivals, <laughs> you know, we played a lot of virtual festivals where people don't get a chance to really have an interaction with filmmakers. Mm-hmm. So, but, but in the beginning, when I was going to live festivals, I, I would get asked like, how did you do those special effects? Like how much did that cost? Like, how yeah. did you do that? And I was very fortunate to find two incredible real life storm chasers through doing a lot of research and getting a lot of no's before I found these two particular amazing human beings um, who are storm chasing partners, a man and a woman, uh, Skip Talbot and Jennifer Yule, um, and they're in the Midwest. And uh, I reached out to Skip first, and he was kind of cagey with me, honestly. You know, he's <laughs> like, "Well, send me the script," you know. <laughs> and I sent him the script, and literally, he wrote to me like at two in the morning. I mean, I I couldn't believe it. Like I was like, "Oh, he wrote back." And he loved the script and he wanted to talk. And so he understood that this was a passion project for me because storm chasing, you know, they don't get paid money to go Mm. out and chase. They take time off of their jobs. They go. And he had some incredible 4K footage of tornadoes. And Jennifer shoots incredible stills. Um, So like in the scene where Bonnie kind of looks and sees the, you know, the, the blown up photograph of her dad, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the storm there and it kind of triggers a memory. Um, uh, that was a photo from Jennifer that she allowed us to use. And Skip basically gave me, he said, 
pick whatever footage you want and it's yours. Oh, wow. That's incredible. So, um, so that was really, so I had blessings like that. I mean, I had other stuff that went down where I had to liquidate my one and only life insurance policy mm. in order to make the film to, you know, so um, there were, there were definitely tough financial moments and decisions, um, but I was determined, but I also had angels like that to like, you know, here. And then to your point, about like when I first was talking to some people and especially special effects houses, they were like, oh, well, you have to use, you know, Cinema 4D or you have to do like CGI. Um, and I mean, like that would be extremely expensive. There was no way I could, uh, there would be no way that I could have afforded that. But the thing is, when I talked to Skip and Jennifer about this and they were like, you know, those movies that show tornado tornado chasing storm chasing that way they're not real like they loved the idea that i was going to composite this and of course there's a whole procedure you have to do camera lockdown it's very technical i storyboarded you know i worked very closely with the dps and the crew um and really knew like the footage i was going to use what i was going to superimpose um uh so and i love stuff like that like i love you know, uh, learning all those technical things. Um, but um, I think it, you know, and for the film, I think it was better too, because I think if it had been like big budget, um, maybe the the metaphor of the storm would be missed, you know, because when it becomes too kind of all about that, then you're missing like, this is, yes, it's a storm, but the most important storm is the storm inside. Right. You know, yeah. That's the most important storm that the film is about is rectifying that storm that each of us has inside. Yeah. No, like, so, so great. Like I, um, this is one of the, you know, the, like a pieces that's like a, at festivals that I'm so frustrated. I can't see the rest of it. Like I want to, like when I finished that episode, I'm like, ah, I wish there was at least like three. Like, so I, I wanted to, to see more from these characters. So, um, oh, well, thank you. Well, I, I hope that, you know, I hope that one day you will be able to. <laughs> that was great. I, uh, yeah. You know, I have a pitch deck and I have uh, the thing is, I had kind of envisioned it as an anthology series. But right now, the climate is not very keen on anthology series. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, limited series might be more the way to go. So um, and and as you know, Kyler, I mean, these things, it's like. Uh, even if you get interest, you know, it's like they say an overnight se sensation is 10 years in the making, <laughs> sure. you know, it's yeah. like it could happen next year. It might happen five years from now. I, I think it's still a timely enough story that it has some legs for a while, mm -hmm. you know, um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, sadly, I guess I wish that the the issues that it's addressing would be resolved sooner rather than later mm -hmm. but knowing right. the state of the world uh, and and how we as human you know the collective is behaving at this moment it's probably going to be timely for a while sure yeah definitely uh so where where can people or so it's play a lot of, of places and you've won like i said you've been you've won a lot of different awards um what are some upcoming are we kind of finishing up se uh, festival season as far as this goes or uh, do we have a few more opportunities since everything is online right now, which is like that definitely has opened up some some doors. I mean, 
these films have been, you know, people from all over the world can see them now at the, at the festival. So that's been a really cool uh, experience for filmmakers that I filmmakers that I've talked to. Um, so any, anywhere soon, people can can catch this. Yeah, well, um, well, one festival that it's playing at soon, which unfortunately no one outside of Croatia can see this, but it's a cool festival <laughs> called Fox, Fox Femini. And um, um, and then it's going to be at the TV Fest in B.C., um, but I think that got pushed to the fall. I've been, it is Storm Chaser. And then I did a, a shortened version that's um, roughly 15 minutes called Flip the Switch, mm-hmm. which is, it's a different film. I mean, it, it, it has a different pacing. Scenes are moved around. Obviously, 15 minutes, a lot was cut. Um, so that's playing at, at some different festivals. Um, one place that if you're in New York, um, coming up in this summer, the Downtown Urban Arts Festival that's at the Tribeca Film Center, um, Storm Chaser will screen there. Um, and then in October, it's doing a live screening at the Cinema Village, which is a really kind of also like Tribeca Film Center. I mean, it's a landmark theater in, mm-hmm. in uh, lower Manhattan. So, um, and that's at the Workers Unite Film Festival, which is, I'm, I'm very excited about because um, it's, it's, it's their 10 year anniversary. And they also, um, they uh, just, you know, have a lot of films that I think are very important in terms of addressing uh, the, well, not the 1%, addressing the 99% and, <laughs> and, and workers' rights and, you know, and, and human rights. Um, so I think for that, it's going to be paired with a feature and, you know, we'll see. Hopefully there'll be, you know, some nice um, buzz around that. Um, and um, I, you know, it is still like, uh, I'm just my, sorry, I, I, we are going for, I'm sure toward the end of this year, we'll be winding down and then hopefully, you know, many more people can see it on online. You know, I'll, I'll have, I'll have it distributed somewhere online Um, because even if it, when I won't say if, when it becomes a series, oftentimes, as you know, Kyler, you you end up reshooting that pilot. It's very rare that they, you know, that would, that would be highly unusual if they were like, okay, and we'll just, you know, keep going. Um, uh, Never say never, but, you know, as a creator, you have to kind of brace yourself for that. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's a, yeah, like I said, it's a beautiful, um, you know, piece of filmmaking. And I, I, you know, it, like I said, at the beginning, I hadn't really seen anything like it before. So it just, it just was, it was great. So, I mean, I, I maybe I'm, I'm just fumbling over my words right now, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I just thought it Thank was a, um, so unique and just like engaging and, you know, beautifully shot. So um, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed and I, I think there will be, you know, more, more from you with this, with this story. Cause I think it needs to be told and the characters are just too damn good to, to pass it up. <laughs> oh, well, I so appreciate that. And, and it's always, I mean, it's always great when, you know, I, I, it means a lot that you say that you haven't seen anything like it because, oh, de- yeah, um, definitely, yeah. you know, uh, I, I, I admire filmmakers out there who, and you know, they're not for everyone. I mean, like a Wes Anderson or, mm-hmm. 
the Coen brothers or, you know, um, uh, PTA. I mean, you know, these and I, I should name some female filmmakers. Shame on me. Um, but <laughs> but, you know, uh, I love people who bring a unique voice and vision and I aspire to that. So those words mean the world to me. Thank you. Good. Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay, anything else you want to tell our audience before we wrap up? Um, um, well, I mean, if you want to follow me, I guess, you know, if you want to if you want to hear about updates and as the world opens up, who knows, maybe there will be some chances to go see the film live. Um, I have other projects that I'm working on. So I'm on Facebook at uh, Gretel Claggett, G-R-E-T-L-C-L-A-G-G-E-T-T, um, Gretel uh, underscore Marlena on Instagram. I think that's my handle. Um, I'll, and, I'll find uh, it for sure and link it in there so that okay. people can just click it and they're there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and um, I'm not on Twitter as much, but um, but yeah, um, I always love hearing from people and, um, you know, and... Uh, I hope that I'll meet you out in Salt Lake City one of these days. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, it, we, it's nice to have, you know, some hope. I'm, I'm a high school teacher and we're just finishing up the school year right now and things are Amazing. like kind of coming back. We're going to have a somewhat of a decent, you know, normal but safe graduation for the kids where we didn't have that last year. They didn't have one. So, uh, you know, it's it's nice we were so deep in it, all of us, you know, worldwide. So it's nice to see some ray of hope and coming back to some normality with, you know, some wisdom in place, hopefully. I hope so. I hope that we can uh, become a, a, you know, a, a kinder, gentler uh, people and, and that in our country and in the world, but especially, I mean, as an American, mm -hmm. you know, um, there are just so many issues that we have facing us right now. And oh, I hope that yeah. I hope that we can, you know, come out of this with and maybe with more balance in terms of how we approach our lives. And I also want to say, too, that um, I have a great admiration for teachers. And so, you thank know, you. thank you for your service. Oh, because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I really like that's a frustration for me um, is that I think that teachers are not compensated the way mm -hmm. that they should be. And you can look at, and look at the first line, you know, first responders, you know, the frontline people. I mean, hopefully what we've gone through, maybe we can recalibrate because it, you know, not to be preaching socialism sure. or anything, no, no, no. <laughs> that's what about, but I just think our values and, and how people are compensated for their work is just really out of kilter and mm -hmm. it, and it speaks to our values, you know, um, being out of kilter, I think. So no, thank totally. you, well, thank thank you, you that... for educating our young. That's very, it's, it's like one of the most important jobs that I think just, you know, you guys aren't paid enough. Well, thank you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I stick around cause I, you know, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Thank you. That means, that means a lot when I hear that from people. So um, thank you. Well, hopefully it'll change. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, um, next time, hopefully I get to meet you in person, Gretel. This was such a blast. I had a great time chatting with you. I loved it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So um, let's keep in touch and I'm going to put the links for everyone to follow you and um, yeah, keep an eye out for Storm Chaser. I think, I think you'll be seeing more 
from it in the future. So Gretel Claggett, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you, Kyler. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thank you.